Good morning, Nick. Good morning, John. <laughs> do you do you meditate? Do I meditate? <laughs> God, you know, I mean, I just want everybody to know that, like, I literally come to this podcast not knowing what the heck you're going to say, and then you always throw something at me. Well, and to be fair to everyone, I don't even know what I'm going to ask you for the first segment, usually. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Usually, It's usually a question on my mind or like something I'm thinking about, or I'm like, oh, let me ask Nick this question. Uh, that's why sometimes I pause. I'm like, oh, shit, the fuck am I going to ask? So today, today it's uh, meditation. Great. I don't know. I don't know if we did, if, if we just, um, you know, unveiled the, 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 what the behind the scenes the for our audience. Sauce? I the don't secret care. secret sauce. Yeah. You know, that either gets people to go like, oh shit, they're just fucking going off the cuff <laughs> or makes them go, oh, those fuckers just, uh, going off the cuff. I don't know. I don't know that I want to be. The, like I understand and appreciate people that are super um, organized with their thoughts and have like we only talk about something for this long, but I don't think people are coming to our podcast expecting um, a polished <laughs> result. I literally in one of the tags that I use for our show, uh, our show like when I'm uploading it to Libsyn is is improv because we're improvisers. It's part of it. Mm-hmm. So so do I meditate? Mm-hmm. Um, it depends on how you define meditation. You know, I don't think, uh, I don't do a lot of sitting meditation, though I think I would be better off if I did. Yes, right. right. Um, I have done a lot of sitting meditation in my life. I've never been like a regular, it's mm. never been a regular habit for me, though. Um but I do think I've done enough meditation that I understand the meditative state and I do find ways to try to do what I call uh, a living meditation where I try my best to be in meditative states as I engage in life, which is tricky. It's not like, you know, I'm not, that's definitely not a hundred percent my state of being, it's an in and out. Oftentimes it's a reminder of like, hey, ground myself mm-hmm. and whatnot. Um, but I try to have a living meditation, though, you know, doing sitting meditation um, would strengthen those skills to be able to to do a living meditation. To maybe. like drop into that more quickly. Because I remember mm-hmm. uh, midway through the first 10 episodes, you were beginning to feel really untethered. Um, and not grounded. So you use that word a few times about yourself. So I think that that's a state that you have a hard time attaining, but appreciate maybe I'm, I'm, this is a lot of conjecture based off of what you said. And also some people don't believe in this at all, but we're both Tauruses. And in some ways the earth is our element, right? If we want to believe in that stuff or not. So it's, it is interesting that we, can relate to the the need to feel like both feet are on the ground or you know you're not getting pulled in so many directions and so um do you remember when you were feeling like that oh yeah i, mean, I still feel that way i was gonna say i was gonna ask do you has it gotten better <laughs> it comes and goes in waves um 
But no, I, I am now in a sort of state of accepting the chaos mm -hmm. and trying to find, you know, trying to find the peace and calm within the chaos and just mm -hmm. knowing that like, oh, well, this is just, I can't change, you know, I change this instantly. I'm taking, you know, steps here or there where I can to, to calm the chaos, but, um, you know, by nature of, you know, having a, a toddler, that's one thing. And then the nature of our business is, is another thing. Like if something in there wasn't like constantly throwing randomness at you, um, you know, I was just talking about this the other day, yesterday with my brother, just like, there's no, there's no set routine in my mm. life. Um, because you could know what you could ha know what you're going to do tomorrow, but then wake up in the morning and get a phone call from your agent or get a, get an email or something that suddenly shifts your entire priorities around for that day. And you're like, mm -hmm. oh, oh, now I got to do this. Okay. So then everything constantly is shifting. But then at the same time, I have this little, this <laughs> little human that wants my attention and, and they're constantly shifting. So, um, you know, then I'm, you know, I'm married and I got to deal with her life constantly shifting. So, right. So there's just constant, there's constant shifts. There's not a lot of predictability. So there's that chaos constantly. And how do I not get swept up in it? How do I stay grounded? It's, a, it's kind of a daily, it's a daily um, challenge or daily focus. You know? Yeah, I think um, a, a knowing how to not resist that is probably like the best thing. But that doesn't mean it isn't it isn't a challenge as well, too, right? Because then then there's some people that are in a routine that wish they didn't have that they were in that routine, you know. Grass is always greener. It is. It is. <laughs> but as somebody who hasn't had a routine for most of my life, or at least most of my adult working life, oh, man. Gosh, <laughs> there's, there's a reason why a nine-to-five kind of makes sense. Oh, I work, see. Totally. Work stays at work. You know a weekend is coming. Yeah. You, take, yeah. you know, you can take the time. You know, you know, when you come home from work, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of people who take their work home with them, but... Um, you know, in our business, you're working, t you know, 24-7. Oh, yeah, what, it just doesn't stop. Yeah, whether you're working or not, you're thinking about what you could be doing. Or should you know? be, or why haven't I done this thing? Uh, there's mm -hmm. something, that, there's several things that have been on my to-do list for five years <laughs> mm -hmm. that are things like if I put my nose to the grindstone, I could bust out in a week or less, you know. But it's the immediate stuff whether that's purposeful in order to avoid becoming more successful or what have you, uh, takes precedent usually. And then I get tired by the end of the day. Yeah. And meditation can be a great tool for managing all this. So I'm a huge proponent of meditation. And, and perhaps I should find ways to, to create um, moments of meditation um, we were talking before this about playing puzzle video games mm -hmm. and I was telling you, which is you, why I asked you about meditation and that's why I told you I don't have anything prepared ever. So, oh, hilarious. Great. Great. So it all comes full circle, loops back totally. around. Totally. But I was telling you that I, that I like to play puzzle, uh, games like on the phone or whatever. I do find them to be meditative to a point because it kind of, what it does, it kind of 
suspends that part of my brain that wants to solve and figure things out and lets the other part of my brain just, you know, calm and, and kind of relax. There's a downside to it because those games do become addictive and mm-hmm. you can you can suddenly take it too far where you're no longer in a meditative state, but you're in an addictive state. <laughs> yeah, there's um, a very there's a it's a razor's edge on that, really. Mm-hmm. Um, I found you know moments where like it, it, it's if you don't have time to like sit and meditate, you can find moments throughout your day where you can you know driving in your car, mm-hmm. um, you know turn off the music and just take a moment while you drive, um, lying with my my daughter to help her go to sleep at night. Yeah, okay, I'm just gonna lie there, you know, take that opportunity. Be so, present. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, do you meditate? Uh, no, I, I pulled a tarot card on one of my streams two days ago that said that I really fucking need to. <laughs> like, you're missing this. And it is it is one of those things when you you hear, like, people talk about self-help and, and wellness and awareness, you know, that meditation is probably um, an unskippable part of that. And um, it's something just like working out was for a while, a, a, a thing I had ready excuses to not do, right? Um, but I was going to say, too, that you're right that meditation can come in, in different ways. If you're quiet for five minutes, let's say, you're you're slowing things down so that you can get downloads or hear something. You know, I love how people talk about – my brother talks about downloads a lot. Like, oh, now that I've slowed down and just quieted myself – I can actually feel how I feel about this or I know how I should go about today or I have a brand new idea or, you know, I just struck gold in my mind. Um, But you can also be meditative in music if you're in like a jam sesh with your friends. We, one of our goals in our style of improv is to sort of be meditative, I think. That practice when you're in the zone is akin to um, some sort of freedom right some sort of untethered uh give and take wouldn't you say yeah well i would call it i would call it mindfulness and i you know and i think there's there's different types of meditation out there which is also important to take note of um and one of them is mindfulness meditation um and what we do on stage in order to do it to its fullest I think I've discovered that the, one of the most ideal states and one that we practice is a state of mindfulness. Mm-hmm. Um, well, then that sounds that sounds similar to what you were saying that you find your daily meditation. Um, it seems like a symptom of that, right? So, like, I know that I am more willing to accept the days ins and outs without begrudging them after having trained in that improv mindfulness. So I think that's the benefit of that kind of work. I, but I guess my point was we're also lacking that, even though we're able to do it online, but the, the fact that we're not on stage too, we're not getting that uh, same sort of release that we have or, you know, experience that we have in a while. Oh, you know, 100%. I mean, for, for what, for us, yeah, for you and I, that is a big, big place where we exercise the skills of, of what I talk about in terms of living meditation, right? Because the, the, the whole goal of meditation for my, I mean, there's different meditations out there and they totally. all have, but, but generally speaking, I think the goal is uh, to, to live a 
to when you're living life, you're, you know, you can call it describe this however you want, but you're in flow, you're connected, you're grounded, you're, you're, um, um, suckling from the source mother, <laughs> suckling from the teat of the mother source. Yes. Mm. <laughs> However, that that manifests for you. <laughs> um, yeah. So, so the goal, like I think, sometimes people think or can get fall into the trap of like, well, you know, meditation is about you know, it's about the goal is to like block everything out, um, or to be or to achieve some sort of level of enlightenment that would require us to like to be a monk in a, on a mountain. Um, but really the goal is to to walk amongst our daily you know walk amongst you know, do our our daily lives and and have that sort of state of being um you know there's some there's a lot of you know buddhism is really interesting in terms of there's a lot of pithy statements like you know if you see a buddha walking down the street shoot him what right what does that mean um what the fuck does that mean what does what does mean <laughs> well what that means is to be a buddha doesn't mean that it's, it's like it's to not be a buddha it's to be a human right so if you see a buddha if you see somebody mm. who is the sort of it's kind of like spiritual ego you know whoa right so it's that sort of thing like the goal like a lot of times you know people like the goal of enlightenment you know is to is to live in a state of light in a sense but that's not necessarily the goal uh the goal is to to live the everyday life right so wow you know eventually the the monk's got to come down from the mountain all of these pithy statements yeah there's a ton of them in the in in Buddhism. I'm going to let you in on a secret. A, a mutual of ours, Dan O'Connor, uses that phrase often, pithy, right? He's like, I should put it on his shirt. Uh, I got another pithy improv phrase, pithy, 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 pithy. He says it a lot. It probably shows up twice, right, in his TED Talk that he does, whatever. So because I was – I don't, not because. I was just – I just didn't know. I was younger, but I he used this phrase. I'm like, oh my god, what pithy means? Stupid. <laughs> I didn't know what pithy meant, and still to this day, I don't know that I understand it. Though I know it's not saying it's a stupid phrase, but it's more like bite-sized chunk phrases, right? Well, it's or, a little bit of self-deprecation, meaning like pithy statement. It's not saying it's stupid. It's saying it's like you don't don't take this too seriously, or or whatever. It's just it's a uh, it's a thing. Ah. Right, it's a pithy statement that has meaning, but don't hold on to it too tightly. I see. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah. Um, it's... Because it has, like, pity in it. I think like this, like, pity me while I tell you this. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I just couldn't, I couldn't grasp the... Under, I had a different understanding based on the way he was using it. Like, you know how... Uh, what's the uh, cl- cliche? I thought it was, like, a cliche thing. Mm. Well, it's still similar. Like cliches, they have meaning, but don't hold on to them too tightly. Right. right? You know, cliches are interesting because they, you know, they, they, we hear them all the time, but they're a throwaway. But sometimes there is a deeper truth to them. But at the, then we, we throw them away a lot when we, when we say them. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do know what you mean. You can mm. lead a horse to water. But, but you can't make him fuck. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
And now a word from our sponsors. Are you a geek? Do you like naming things? My name is Scott Rubin and I wrote the ultimate guide for geeks to name anything. Whether you're naming kids, your pets, your car, your Wi-Fi network, or your role-playing game characters. Naming Your Little Geek has almost 1,100 name entries and I tell you where the name came from, if it's a real name or if it's a fictional name, all of the characters who have had that name, and I reference over 4,400 characters from science fiction, fantasy, comic books, movies, TV shows, cartoons, you name it, it's all in there. And it ranges from normal sounding names like Scott or Jessica to really off-the-wall bizarre ones from all of our favorite fantasy and sci-fi properties. You can pick up a copy of Naming Your Little Geek at bubblesandthingssoaps.com and check out all the other cool items there, some really neat soaps. Naming Your Little Geek is also sold everywhere books are sold online, and you can even find it in some physical bookstores if you're a person who shops in physical stores these days. I, I I have a feeling this whole topic that I want to talk about may take up the whole hour that we have. And if it doesn't, then I want to talk about the thing you forwarded me. Or or did you forward me something? Yeah, I did. Oh, great. I'm glad, I'm glad this, the pithy thing I forwarded you <laughs> is the consolation prize. No, no. Here's the thing is, I, I don't know how this conversation is going to go. Uh, very rarely do I come in with expectations about anything, but I'm I, I I'm interested. Actually, let's start with your. Well, wait, no, no. Well, my thing is truly pithy. So, well, no. exactly. Let's start with that, and then, for lack of a better pun, give them the meal. You know, let's start with the appetizers, and then give okay, sure. them the meal. Well, maybe we should put a time on it so we don't stay too long on this no, pithy thing. I'm not. Listen, I'm here. I'm here with you. I'm I'm meditative with you right now. Let's breathe. Let's do it. What did <laughs> now, you send? What now, did I just you wanted send? to. Now, just so you know, I sent it to you, but I did think, like, should I just surprise you with it the way you surprised me with stuff? But I thought, no, nah, you know what? I'll send it and see. No, I'm glad you sent it um, because also it makes sure that we do talk about it. I thought it was. Um, it's it's just amazing how it is kind of like the the thing where you know you learn about a, a Honda Sonata that you like. And you're like, oh, maybe I want that car. And then you look on the street, and every time you drive, you see a goddamn Honda Sonata because you, mm-hmm. you're paying attention to it. Uh, and the more we do this podcast, it becomes one of the things I com- draw comparisons to. And it's amazing how how many opportunities news outlets and people will use to talk about generational differences. Now, I do have an opinion as to why I think that is, but... I'm glad you shared it with me so that way we can both be on this abreast on the topic. Which this topic, well, we'll get into it, is a, we'll get into whether it. this should be a generational topic or not, or not is part of this topic. But anyways, I, I, I agree with that. I agree with that. Well, that's but part I, of the I, argument. I'm excited, the, I'm excited to give you some insight that I have. 
Great, let's do this. So that's so so it's a little TikTok conversation that has gone viral. Is that the am I using the right terminology? I think you're doing very well, Nick. And by viral, I don't know what's the chicken or the egg here. You know, basically somebody wrote an article about it, one of the, you know, whatever fluff outlets that thought that this particular TikTok conversation was worth writing an article about. I have a um, feeling that every article, because the, the article comes from in the know.com, right? And I'm sure there's, this was in the K-N-O-W. I'm sure there's in the N-O-W, you know, in the, like there's so many different articles that people, there's a million non-reputable sites and people are just trying to write about something and this person saw this TikTok and go, I will write about this. That's, you know. Yeah. Right. And make it make it as if it's a thing. Yeah. Um, but basically, uh, someone in a, in a restaurant, you know, TikTok videoed their um, these two tables and one table. It was just your, your normal table where, you know, so these the, the after diners had finished eating where all the plates are just there and the, the diners had left and um, just as they, they left the plates as they were. The other table, the diners had left, and they had stacked the plates neatly um, and wiped down the table a bit to make it, quote unquote, easier for the um, for the staff for the wait staff to be able to bust the table. And the person who videoed it was basically like, you know, boomers were sitting at this table that's not clean, and Gen Zers were sitting at at this table that is clean. Does that tell you something? You know, something like that. <laughs> totally. To- it's a respect thing. Yeah. So now it's like this big thing of like, well, boomers have no respect at restaurants um, because they left their table this way. But j- look how considerate the Gen Z generation is for what they've done. And now then the, everybody starts chiming in on whether or not that's true, um, whether or not it is a generational thing, whether or not waiters... And waitresses even want you to stack the plates and yada yada. Started this whole thing, right? I mean, lots of comments and comments on comments. You know what I mean? And then somebody wrote an article about it, uh, which I didn't read because I have my own opinions. Also, great. Um, let's go. Let's hear them. So, do you also, stack your plates? Well, there's a whole different reason as to why or why not. There's so many different factors, uh, and. <laughs> Uh, and you're right. Is this an actual fucking newsworthy topic? Is it, is actually part of the conversation too? Um, it's about as pithy as you can get. So, to be f- to be fair to the boomers side of things, uh, my dad, though he is Gen X or like that weird in between, what was it, the Jones generation? Mm-hmm. Um, believes that he he even leaves his tray. On, Mc, on the McDonald's table for mm. the the wait staff or the, the the staff. By the way, there's no wait staff in a McDonald's, right? Like there's mm-hmm. not – you bring the tray to yourself, uh, to your table. He he leaves it on the table, but he'll leave a quarter for them to clean it up. And he's – he's because he's, that's what it is. Like that's that's in his mind he's – stimulating the economy by giving them a job. The same theory applies with movie theaters, which I actually think is a better topic than this fucking table topic. But you just leave your fucking trash on the floor and that gives that gives the people that come in and clean the theater a fucking job. As opposed to you 
taking everything out with you and throwing it away. And, you know, I have gone out to movie theaters with people that are, you don't pick up your trash? You know, like, uh, this was years ago. Because then I, I was getting ashamed so much that I started picking up my own trash. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Or taking home my bu- my buttered popcorn because I realized it's not bad the next day. But, like, it, it, I don't know where it, it started to happen or who trained who that it was disrespectful to leave trash. And, it, and he, so this is the, the broader topic. It had to have been one person or 10 people that had a summer job and they had to clean the theater and they were pissed about it. And so when they went to go see movies with their friend, they would say to their friends, I can't believe you leave your trash, dude. It's such a fucking bummer when you have to do that. Like, blah, 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 blah. So now that friend feels bad for that friend. And then that friend goes guilt another friend when they go to see Bridget Jones' Diary the Third or whatever and makes them feel bad for t- not, like, picking up the trash. So long story short, longer story longer. I worked at a restaurant. And when I'm done with my meal, sometimes I will stack my plates out of habit, but also because I know it's a hard job for a waiter. And so, because I've done it myself, right? So out of respect, because I've performed that job, I might do that for them. Um, That being said, maybe I'm stacking it in a way that uh, is not how they might stack 12 plates, right? Although I know I'm probably going to stack it with the most you know, structure so that they can walk away with that full stack as much as safely as possible. You know, you sometimes see like bartenders or busters or t- like with 12 cups, like, like just stack cups, you know, and they walk away. Like really the goal of the waiter is to take as many plates away as possible so that they don't have to clean as many after you're, you're gone. Mm-hmm. And also there are people who are fucking pissed when you leave their plates on the table. So, Oh god, there's so many, there's so many facets to this conversation. A, the only reason I do it is is because I've done the job myself. B, the fact that there are plates on that table with the boomers means the wait staff did a bad job. <laughs> there should not be plates there. Uh huh. Good point. Solid point. I did a lot of talking. I'm sure I can interject when you have more topics. <laughs> what do you What do you think? I mean, you said so much. It makes me go like, we could say, spend the whole hour on this. We so really could. What, but but I really, a, yeah, yes, selfishly, we'll no, 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 no. Selfishly, I need the answer for what we're going to be talking about next. So okay, I we'll will ensure we'll, that we we'll talk it. about it. No worries. Well, I think, you know, I, I, th- I think this is just way too uh, complex a question to oversimplify into generational stuff. But I guess, you know, people do that. I mean, that's the question is why do, why do people do that? Um, because I think- Why do know, people oversimplify things? Yeah. To feel a, like they have control over one thing in their life. Mm-hmm. It's like the people who feel super self-righteous about like, e- even people who should be vaccinated. Like, I get it. People should be vaccinated. But like, people are like angry because they know that they should be, that people should be. So now they have this justification because they know the right thing. I remember- going to the poppy fields when they were blooming and it's the poppy is the state flower. And if you trample a poppy or if you remove a poppy, that's illegal. And when I went to go to the poppies, people were fucking stepping into the poppies 
and taking goddamn pictures. Or, you know, Instagrammers are laying down in the poppies. It, and I yelled at every single person. And then I ended up, like, yelling at people on Instagram about taking poppy pictures. And then I got banned for a week on Instagram because, like, I was harassing people. <laughs> and I realized that I just felt self-righteous. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That I had no business yelling at people. No. Now, look, in this picture, what, it, what they fail to, I think, talk about is, and there's much more to say about this than this, but this is just one point I want to make, that... The table that had the stacked plates, all the plate, they ate all their food. Like, they were, like, clean no, plates. No, they weren't. The stacked plates? There was, like, yeah, corn basically. on the cobs on the two. Hold on. I don't remember really seeing much, if any, food on those stacked plates. Here's what I'm going to say. Do we even know? Do we even know that it was people that took, that ate at the restaurant or if it was like wait staff that was pissed and they just like, oh, make it look good. And they're like, oh, this will be a good TikTok. We don't know. We don't know, Nick. No, we don't know. The person said that they were not wait staff, that they were just another customer at the restaurant. Yeah, it's fucking hot bullshit. Who knows? But if you look at the the plates that are on the table that have a bunch, they have a bunch of leftover food. They didn't finish their food. You don't really want that person to be stacking those plates because now you got plates on top of food. You would want them to like dump all the food into one plate and then stack those plates. Right? Uh, you, you could stack plates though without with the food still being on there. Yeah, it starts to get kind of messy. I'm not saying it doesn't, but but there's a good amount of food in those on those particular plates. You're you're checking it out right there now. There are two corns on the cob left. Here's the thing. I'm calling bullshit. I I'm gonna say that the waiter after one table left with clean plates put that stack at the edge of the table and in order to shame the people that didn't come that that didn't pick up any of their food it's those you're right those plates are too clean they're clean yeah i mean no like suspiciously clean (laughs) right like full there's a full ranch (laughs) <laughs> there's there's a full ranch and two uneaten corns on the cob and that's it. It there's I mean, just it's suspiciously clean. Because like what does that say about Gen Z versus boomers? What Gen Z finishes their plate, uh, they eat everything on their plate. They eat, you know, No, whereas, I again, I think it's not that. I think the think, waiters so think it's all conspiracy. I think it's, it's I think it's staged. You know why? Cuz there was some fucking people during the Black Lives Matter uh uh, marching where they're like, can I have this hammer? And they like asked someone for a hammer to look, make it look like they were fixing the boarded up windows and then took a hammer from somebody, took the picture and then handed it back and walked back into their car. They were like people who literally lost jobs for staging like they were in the march. <laughs> this is the internet. Uh, uh, I, I, I know, but I guess, I guess you could be right. Um, and this they're is too all- clean. They're too clean. I mean, well, but there's times when I've really enjoyed my meal and I have cleaned my plates. And in those instances, I have, that's easy to stack. I might just do that. It's not a conscious thought of like, oh, I should, this is something that should be done all the time. It's like, oh, it it just kind of worked out. But if I walk away and there's food on the, it's not helping anybody to stack a bunch of plates with a bunch of food on it. And to say that like, 
these this group does it all the time or doesn't do it all the time you know i've definitely stacked plates sometimes but it's never like oh i need to do this it's like yeah oh, it, yeah you know it's like in a moment where you're like oh yeah it'd just be easy to help out right here or um but i kind of i kind of agree with your father to an extent like i wouldn't go as far as to not Take up your fucking McDonald's tray. McDonald's. And I do think you should take your movie stuff because those people have jobs anyway. Having a a really messy (laughs) movie theater is just making their jobs harder. It wouldn't change. They're not going to get fired because they don't have, they don't need people to clean. There's still going to be stuff to clean. Um, But, uh, but I do think that like, I do think to a degree, like there is a, an idea of service like you go to a restaurant to be served. It's why I'm going to be paying the 20% tip. Right. It's all part of the process. I didn't come here to do my dishes. Right. Right. I came here to be served. Right. And I'm not going to be an asshole about it. And like when I with my daughter, we go eat somewhere and she makes a mess. I'm going to I I I do clean that up. Yeah, you're going to fucking do your best, right? right? Like- and 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 not everybody even does that. I remember once we were we were at this restaurant and Clementine was younger and she made a particular mess and we we got down and we cleaned it up and the, and the manager walks by and goes, oh, bless you. Bless you for doing that. <laughs> you know, and we're like, well, yeah, I mean, you know, this is not, this is not a normal thing here. Like, like having a, your, your, on a busy night, having your wait staff suddenly have to sweep the floor aggressively and maybe even mop it because our child. More spilled, than likely you know. mop it. More than like <laughs> nothing is more destructive than a child. Like, and so we got some free cookies. She came back and gave us some free dessert to say thank you for our, for helping did, out. So did Clem, did Clem throw it on the floor? No, no, we didn't give her the cookies. She was too young at that time. So it's like, it's very sort of case specific. Yes, be considerate. But to say that like the younger generation is more considerate um, is doesn't make any sense. Um, because there's plenty of people in the younger generation just by fact of being young that are inconsiderate. Because they're young and they're immature, right? But I do think that there is this, I, this is what I do think maybe is different. Is that I do think the older generation expects to be served whereas the younger generation has a different view of what service is and i don't know what's right or wrong but i do know that if the if younger generations continue to change the definition of being served then they're going to change the reality and i'll give you an example of one of one reality in that situation that has changed is that with these new square machines and you know and other machines like them at, at coffee shops and such, and, and any and a fucking convenience store that they flip around, they turn to you, and they uh-huh. give you the, the tip prompt every time. Uh-huh. They are changing how we tip. And now we're tipping for things that we never tipped for before. Yep, yes. Out of guilt and out of shame. Yes. And the, the definition of service has shifted. And, and, and now I feel like an asshole if I don't tip you for pouring me a cup of coffee, which literally you turned around, you pulled the handle on the drip thing, and you that's it. That's what you did. Yeah. That's not a service you gave me. That's your job. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so, but I'm going to tip you a dollar on that already expensive $4 cup of coffee. So just know, younger generation, your idea, you're, cha- you're, you're changing service, which I'm not saying is a bad thing. 
but it is changing and altering it. And maybe it's changing it for the better. Uh, maybe that makes being a barista more appealing, that you get better tips now from doing it, that maybe like, oh, that's a more viable job for somebody who's trying to make their way in this world. But um, Yeah, there's, there's a place that I go to that it's pre-bottled juice. And I just grab it out of the fri- the fridge, and then it's a prompt on a ten dollar drink already to, to tip. Like you're just standing there. Um, it, it's that is it's tough because you're right. There's like a guilt factor. Let's rewind to how tipping came to be, and you know this, right? Well, I mean, are we gonna we're gonna go down this road? I mean, did we get it? Well, I think it's part of it. I think it's part okay. of it. Um, when the recession hit. I'm sorry, when the Great Depression happened, restaurants couldn't didn't want to pay their wait staff the proper amount and then made it so that the tips were on the customer's shoulders mm-hmm. so that they could be properly compensated. Mm-hmm. So as opposed to being paid properly, <laughs> They, the burden is on the person that's being served. Uh, fast forward to not the same uh, thread, but someone like Frank Sinatra, I think he's quoted as saying, never say please when you're at a restaurant. That's their job. I want this and I want that. Don't ever say, can I? They're there to fucking give you things. Now, it's really, that's really blunt and really like not human interaction-y, but, but to some extent, he's right. They're, they're your server, Right. Um, and then forward another to another point. When I worked at a restaurant, I also like for four or five years, I worked as the hostess and I bagged everybody's food that did to go. And it was a Jewish deli. So I would have to prepare, you know, a pound of liverwurst and, you know, make sure that the bread and was everything was wrapped up and the matzo ball soup I had to make and the dressings and everything. And then people would go, Oh, I would never tip you because. <laughs> You didn't do anything is what their theory was. And people had had no problem with saying that. I had to get your shit right for you to walk out the door and packaged. And I that, and I hustled. That's your job. No, 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 no. If you're tipping if you're tipping your if you're tipping your waiter for doing their job, then yes, you should tip the takeout person. Well, well. and I and I guess I'm not saying yes or no to either. You know, there were some people who did tip and it was awesome. And sometimes I got even more because I was gregarious while doing it, you know, or, or I got tipped well because I was an excellent hostess, like made sure that their food was great, you know, like, or I remembered Larry's order that he always wants the, the, the inner part of the tongue and not the outer part of the tongue, you know. So like, you know, I we're got about, tipped. We're talking about beef tongue here, right? Now. Depends on who you're talking about actually we, i did work in chatsworth mind you um but like there was an, a level of excellence that i brought to the job also that i felt warranted being compensated as well mm-hmm. i don't know yeah well i think you know i don't you know i think there's a lot about the history of tipping but i think generally we were told that it's you know to ensure proper service so so we as con- consumers based our tipping based on like how well somebody did in our mind or, or, you know, or was it, was it hard or did they go the extra mile or, or whatever it is. So, so yeah. So when we're tipping, you know, if you're trying to elicit a tip, the more 
engaging you are and the more positive you make the experience, the higher probability that somebody's going to give you something extra. Yeah, or they're from out of out of the country and they don't tip you because that's not because the the tip is oh, in man. I the... worked at the California Pizza Kitchen downtown. We got Ooh. foreigners all the time. Ooh. Who just don't tip. I just don't tip. What are you going to do? Well, then I had someone, I waited on someone from the South who were like, you are just so darling. You are the best waiter we have ever had. And they left me fucking 25 cents. (laughs) And I know that they didn't mean that. I I, I know that they meant it, that they they didn't think they were being rude either. They just had 25 cents. So that's what they were going to give me. You know, (laughs) Uh, it's, it's, uh, I think you're right that it's not necessarily a generational question. More, my question though, I guess is more than likely the parents of Gen Z are who? Gen Xers or millennials? Oh, no, they're Gen Xers. So then that would mean, because the, 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 the fish stinks from the, the head, right? So like the parents must have demonstrated how to eat at a restaurant. So like when I would serve a family, let's just say, um, I'd start with the kids first and they like, I want jello. And the parents would be like, say please and say thank you. And then I'd go to the dad, he goes, I want the skirt steak and not say please or thank you. So that child is not getting the, you know, ex- not learning from, uh, from example, right? Mm-hmm. So if they're stacking plates, is that because their parents did that? Or was were the Gen Xers also wait staff? You know, it's it's it. I think there's just so many different factors. Mm-hmm. That's a very good point you make. Oh, is it Nick? Yeah, I do think it's a very valid point <sighs> that whatever these uh, Gen Zers do that are that it's good is because of Gen Xers, and anything that they do that's bad is because of themselves. Probably because they were looking towards millennials as role models, which they shouldn't have. But you know, I it's... get it. <laughs> I resemble that comment. I'm actually just glad that this argument isn't. Look at the stupid millennials and how they eat. <laughs> I don't think I, I don't think I can handle that. <laughs> yeah, well, the millennials may have kind of pushed this over sensitivity towards, you know respecting your service staff yeah yeah. there 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 may be a thing of like millennials having pushed that that idea of like well they're people too well and i really think it's because a lot of us had to do those jobs Mm -hmm. but it's but so did boomers and so did gen xers i mean but for how long and until they went to college and then got you know, 401ks. How long did those jobs really last for them? Oh, oh, these poor millennials and came into a recession and couldn't figure it out. No. Nick! <laughs> and now we're swimming in student debt and can't get a real job that pays well, them enough to pay it off. Well, I'm not, because I didn't go to college. Because <laughs> I saw the futility early on. I'm kidding, I did not. Um, yeah, I, I certainly, I don't know if this has come across when we talked about these kind of things. Like when people go, we weren't given the world that we were promised. I don't know what world we were promised. I don't know what, how was anyone promised anything? You know, I, I, yeah. I tend not to find other things to blame when it comes to shortcomings or, or success or what have you. I try not to. Yeah. I think there also may be, we probably should move on from this. I know you got something 
big where we're probably taking up too much time. No. Um, but I think it also may be like a millennials, uh, you can tell me, like, is, is there a strong attitude against corporate America? I think it's possible, part, partly part of it. You know, because I'm not a huge fan of the evils of corporate America, but, uh, um, but corporate America does create, a, you know, there's a lot of jobs that you can, you know, you know, good jobs that you can work your way up into and whatnot. And if you're, if you're against corporate America where, you, where you're trying to like push against the grain, you may not be taking those jobs or you may not want to live that life and you may want to be pushing against it. Um, I wonder if that's a factor at all. Whereas like the boomer generation, like that was the thing. Like you went right. into a job, that's what you did. You, you know, you would want to work for a good company that had good prospects. You'd probably stay with that company long-term um, so that you could you know, move up and can you continue to, to earn more within that, that space. Um, whereas with millennials, even if they would would want to go into corporate America, they'd always be looking for what's the next job that I can bounce into. They wouldn't necessarily stay with that. And I think that started with Gen Xers too. Um, but I'm curious if it like really went even further with millennials. Um, and if that, if that's a difficult, was a difficult thing in finding good jobs and job security. I don't know. I don't know how much we understood um, the corporate evils until recently, honestly. Oh, uh, I don't know. I, I was, I understood corporate evils back in when I was a teenager. Well, then maybe I'm just dim. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my 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 silent, you know, I had some silent protests where, you know, like this is dumb, but uh, oh, I can't wait. I can't this is dumb. Wait. But, is you know, one of the biggest. It's super pithy. <laughs> you know, one of the biggest corporations was was McDonald's, and so uh -huh. I just said, you know, my protest is I I won't eat at any McDonald's. Uh -huh. And for over twenty twenty five years, I've probably eaten at McDonald's three four times. Well, for the fries. but I think I for the fries <laughs> for the fries and the soft serve. I God, I can't get enough the soft, soft serve. serve. I got it. I got it. The soft serve is chemically perfect. I got it. Um, and and here's the thing too, you're totally right that there's like evils with corporations, but also McDonald's pays their employees well, you know, and treats their employees well. Um, you know, Chick Fil A is evil and and hates gay people, but also is you know a Fortune 500 company that also treats its company. It's you know, so there's like good and bad to everything. But I'm with you on the McDonald's things too i think we shouldn't talk too much about mcdonald's though because we could potentially book a commercial for them and we don't want this out there oh can we just go back and can we, can we, we can edit that out right yeah we can <laughs> sure sure and if you're serious i will but otherwise i'm not going to um but you know actually the thing I, this is what i'll say about mcdonald's i can't believe they still don't have a, a plant-based sandwich I think that's just how much meat is in everything that they. I thought make. their meat was already plant based. Wasn't that the I, whole I thing? I mean, it, it may as well be the, the, the whole like thing. The nuggets, was, the nuggets are soy, right? So is it? I think so. I mean, you gotta look be. into this. That's not be. actual chicken. Ugh. I don't know. I don't. Then that I don't know. Jamie Oliver really, really schooled me up to what <laughs> chicken McNuggets were for a while, and it was very upsetting. 
but uh, the 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 th- the scam for a while was grade A beef. Grade A beef was what they were saying on their on their packaging. Grade A beef. It was the name of the company that <laughs> sold their beef, which is a good le- a good loophole. Uh, so I think, where do you stand on this, Nick? Are you going to stack your, your plates from here on? Some, I'm going to do exactly what I've always done. Sometimes I will, but most of the time I probably won't, but I will, what I do always do is I always try to like, if there's like a, if the table is extra messy, I, you know, try to leave it as neat as possible, but. Or hand them the fucking plate when the waiter does their goddamn job. And tries to take away the plates while you're still at the fucking table. That's and the also, thing. I only go to restaurants that do that. Yes, we well, who does? But we don't know if those boomers in the TikTok had to get up because they were about to miss a movie. We don't know. Who knows? Yeah, or we maybe they this. maybe they had an emer- maybe somebody at home was sick, you know, or took took a fall. These thoughtless TikTokers. Really, I think we unpacked something really, really deep here. Nick. Well, I think we did, and let's let's move on because you have something important to talk about, and and I apologize, I forced us to take oh up so God. much time. No, on, this, on this is. I was excited to talk about it because I had so much lived experience. Nick. <laughs> Thank you for this opportunity. Okay, I, I'm a, I'm scared to ask this question. I, I, I really I really actually am, because um, I'm afraid of what it will unlock in you. <laughs> Not really. Uh, I decided in, 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 impetuously, 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 uh, sure. impetuously, to spend fifty dollars on OK Cupid last week. I don't know if impetuously is the right word, uh, but okay. So you, what's you, the word? I don't know. Uh, like spontaneously, but like uh, without thinking about it. It's an in something word. Uh, spontaneous. Innocent. Uh, uh, impulsively. Impulsively. There you go. Impulsively oh, signed up for OKCupid. And if you wanted to spend $99, you can get three months of OKCupid. If you wanted to spend $160, you get fuck six months. Whatever. I said, no, fuck that. I'm going to go spend $50 on it. Because, to be fair, I have tried Hinge. I have tried Bumble and Coffee Meets Bagel. And I don't I do not do Tinder because it's primarily a hookup site. Um, I, I vacillate. I go, I, I don't like online dating. I personally find it very hard to get any sorts of, sort of, like, feel on someone's personality online dating. And so I usually end up deleting it. So, okay, Cupid... I signed up for it because there's a lot of ads around my city. And sometimes the theory is if people are willing to pay for a dating service, they might be more actually interested in dating or like, you know, committed mm-hmm. or who knows. Nick, are you aware that there is a huge non ethically non-monogamous push? In the Gen Z culture? In general, have you heard about this at all? Not at all. So this is the first time you're hearing about ethical non-monogamy. Yes. Yeah, I think so. If you're telling me it's like a thing, yeah, I haven't heard. Yes. So here's here, here's what the... other than other than a thing that men in their twenties 
you know, go, God, it would be so great if it was just non-monogamy. A hundred thousand percent. Nick, that's what I'm really trying to get at here. <laughs> and don't get me wrong. A couple times I've tweeted about it with like a lot of, a lot of like soreness and super jaded. I'm like, fuck all these people that want to do non-monogamy. I've like gone on a dates with a couple guys who drop the bomb two dates and go, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm kind of interested in just non-monogamy. Uh, and ethically non-monogamous is the, is the converse, is the term. Okay. Is it just dudes who wised up and instead of saying, I'm not looking for anything right now, they're just saying I'm not monogamous. Is that, is that possibly, is, that's what I think is happening. I mean, it's very, very possible. Yes. Um, but I don't know enough. I mean, like, how is, like, how do you know this is a thing? It's just like in terms of like guys that you're interacting with on these dating sites or have gone on dates with who've, who've said this, like, how so is on this a OK thing? Cupid, what's actually interesting about it is, um, they have every sexual preference under the sun, not preference, but sexual orientation under the sun. They have, um, interest, what types of relationships you are interested in. And some of the people will say interested in monogamous and non-monogamy. And so that way, at least, you know, kind of what you're getting into, right? Um, and like I, well, like when last time I was on a dating app or something, or maybe, maybe pre-pandemic, uh, one guy tried to send me a TED talk about it to see if he could sway my interest. Mm. And I was like, are you telling me that this is what you want? Because if this is what you want, I don't want this and stop texting me. <laughs> like I had to like get him to just say, I'm, you want this, right? As opposed to, oh, I'm just kind of interested in it. Mm -hmm. So there are some people out there and I'm trying my best not to generalize and say men um, who have done the research that us as homo sapiens weren't all, were not monogamous mm. as a culture. Um, then there's like, I think Esther Perel does a Ted talk about it, how um, monogamy really happened and marriage really happened as a means of transfer of property or you know holding property and then when it stopped becoming that it became about love when it really wasn't that to begin with necessarily are you looking up something or are you texting somebody because i'm very angry at you right now sorry uh, uh <laughs> i'm listening i'm trying to listen but i just realized i needed to send something you're not I mean, being monogamous to this podcast right now. No, no, right now. I'm current I was currently cheating on our conversation <gasps> by sending a message to somebody else. Just so you know, it's not it's not really important. It's just the pool guy. The okay? irony. I'm just sending a, I'm, the just, irony, I'm just Nick, talking to the pool guy. The irony, Nick. Is is this is this conversation just not interesting to you? Is, am no, I not it, worth committing to, Nick? No, this is actually fascinating to me, but the pool guy, you got to understand. <laughs> Pool guy's coming over today, and I really needed to get a message to him and not forget. And it could be he could be here now or not. And I just needed to. I got you know. it. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just like you tripped and you fell inside her. I got it. It's like you just like oh my god, this happened by accident. I didn't mean for this to happen. I got it. 
Yeah. And well, uh, well, also, I'm just trying to let you know that like, it's not that I just, it's just that, I mean, I knew I was communicating with the pool guy, but like, it's nothing serious. <laughs> it's just, it's just the pool guy. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's not yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, you're right. I'm, I'm going to like talk to the pool guy all the time. I'm, I'm the crazy one here. Yes. Yes. Got it. Got it. This is I, so like, this is just a thing. It's not, it's not even like a, it, not even going to be an ongoing thing. It's like. I just do I not do it for you, Nick? Do you want me to clean your pool? That's the thing is you do, but I need a little more. You know, I need my pool to be nice and clean and and I got this great guy. You never asked me to clean your pool, Nick. If you asked me, I would have. Well, I just don't think you could do it the way. Oh, fuck. This is killing me. It's killing me. Um, so, so. I, I'm curious about your thoughts. Uh, I, there's, there's a grander point that I have that I won't forget about, but I'm curious what your initial takes are. Um, my initial takes. Well, I'm curious what ethical non-monogamy means like what is it what does it mean to be ethical in that situation what, i think it's by saying it that you're not interested that you're interested in dating multiple partners and i'm i'm going to just preface this even though i should have prefaced this ahead of time so when i have like complained about it online or made a joke or something there are people out there who are married and have a boyfriend and that's non-monogamous right mm-hmm. or uh they're allowed to see other people and that works for them so i'm certainly not suggesting that it's a, a fucking sham right although i think the <laughs> top the amount of it that i'm seeing is not possible that these people are going i want just to have all sorts of partners Mm-hmm. Or like I believe that I'm not. Okay, are so you, here's... are you are you hearing this from any women that they're interested in ethic ethical non monogamy? Yes. Uh, I'm since I don't date women, I'm not seeing it on their profile, and I also don't know many single women, so not necessarily. But you haven't like tried to research it online or. or, or... Oh, that's a good question. I think that's worth me doing and then talking about it next week. Um, I will say. One of the people that clued me into the fact that they were ethically non-monogamous is a woman. Mm. Uh, but that they didn't know that they were that way until they were of a certain age. So, uh, like, they didn't know that, that about themselves until very recently. And and I think it's partly because it's the new, the new zeitgeist or new paradigm. I mean, look, from my... I want to say from my experience, because I never had any experience with this, but from my like life of hearing about people doing this or witnessing and yada yada, it never works out. So, but, but what doesn't work out, I guess it depends on what you want. What doesn't work out is having a serious relationship with somebody while also being non-monogamous. So if you're not trying to have a serious relationship with somebody and all you want to do is just sleep around with a bunch of people, Sure, that could, fine, whatever, that's fine. Consenting adults, and so you're saying you're ethical about it, which probably just means you're communicating, you're telling Which somebody. is ethical. Yeah, it's ethical, right? So, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm fucking you, but I'm also fucking somebody else. Cool, cool. 
Great. But if you want to have a serious relationship with somebody, you're lying to yourself if you think that's going to work out. I think for the majority of people, that is true. And again, I'm trying to say, out of fairness to our listeners, there are people who who do make it work, who it does work for. I do for, know, maybe though. For a period, maybe for a period of time. Well, it's hard to say. Yeah, we don't we don't want to make assumptions also. But when I have heard of some friends going, oh, we're allowed to see other people, it's so that the fucking husband can go fuck somebody else before he leaves his wife. Or it's because the wife is done with the guy and just doesn't, like, wants to keep both feet on the cliff, you know? Or both, totally. Like, that's been my experience. And within mm-hmm. a year, one of them is leaving, usually. Yeah, no, totally. So it's saying. Doesn't work out. So, uh, and if it, and for any reason they do stay together, they're dead inside. It's whether they're lying, whether they know it or not, whether they think like, "Oh my God, it's so much fun because I get to sleep with these other people." Um, there are dead. some people out there, and I know someone personally who um, the sex doesn't exist in their relationship, but the partnership does. That they want to remain together, that they don't see their life with anybody else, but they're allowed to sleep with other people. Um, because the sex doesn't exist for them. Um, I could, I mean, look, I guess I could see that, but now you're telling me that. that I think that's different than non-monogamous. I mean, even though that's not monogamous. No, it's not different. You know, because you, you can't just, monogamy isn't just about sex. So monogamy is about emotional intimacy. So, you know, th- if you tell me that we're going to have a partnership, okay, we're not, is that, like, maybe you can define a partnership different than a relationship. Um, well, they have a your, child and they want to stay together. They, they love the partner, doing the life together. Do, what does what doing a life mean? Like raising Working, the child? Raising the child, living together, they're best friends. Okay. What happens when one of them sleeps with somebody else and discovers that that other person is a better friend? I So now that does bring a bigger spiritual question. Um, to truly love somebody is to love the person no matter who they are and allow them to do the things that they want to do. So like one of the things that you should be able to do is if your partner was to come to you and say, I'm no longer in love with you, I'd like to move on and be with Gary. <laughs> You're supposed to be able to go, okay, I love you. Go, do what you want, because you truly love that person. Now, that's not possible. <laughs> I don't know how that's possible, to not just feel like your whole, and this is something Esther Perel talks about too, is like your esteem is now wrapped up in the relationship. So when someone rejects you, quote unquote, even though they're not really rejecting you, you can't help but feel like it's personal. Um, totally. So in theory, you're dealing with highly evolved humans that are able to be honest with each other at every step of the go and say, I'm ready to move on or I'm going to stay with you or, hey, actually, this guy that I'm fucking, he doesn't fuck me as good as you do or whatever. Yeah, well, so, I mean, look, you, I, I do believe you can be super highly evolved and, and really s- follow the value of unconditional love to its ultimate degree. But it's not going to change the fact that you're human and it's not going to change the fact that it's going to hurt like, like fucking hell. 
And it also doesn't change the fact that what you think you want in that moment may not be what you want later on. So that person may be like, oh, I think I found somebody I want to move on. But then they realize later, oh, no, it wasn't what I thought it was. What I had with this other person was better. And now you've, you know, now you've, you've thrown it all away because, but it, because you, because you opened yourself up to that possibility. Um, well, that's not to say though, and this is not what we're talking about, but you could also not be, uh, non-monog, you can also be not, you can also be monogamous and then realize as you change and grow that you've grown out of the relationship too. Uh, I do think you're inviting that awareness sooner or you, like, I think, I think you're, I think like as one of your first, one of our first episodes, dancing with the devil with that, mm-hmm. right? Oh, hundred, Yeah. You hundred percent are. I mean, like, you know, yes, relationships, not, they don't all work out and you can, people can grow apart, but also relationships are a roller coaster ride of ups and downs. And if you, you know, the whole point of commitment is, is to ride those downs. And if you've, if you're, if you're looking and you find something else that gives you something that you're not getting from your, your partner in that moment, it's easy to go, you know, they're probably just not the right person for me. As opposed to people who do commit to each other, you know, uh, and are able to work through those downs. And when they come back up to an up, they're stronger for it. You know, so you're, you're, there's a, you know, you're, that's part of an ongoing relationship to say like when you're in a relationship ongoing that like hey every day i wake up and i know that like this is the you know everything's perfect and it's exactly how i wanted it to be and there's no issues here like that's not realistic that's never going to happen and if that's your expectation of a relationship then you're not mature enough to be in one um so you know so i get that yeah but yeah but like you're saying you are you are dancing with the devil and we know we know what happens when you dance with the devil you um, want to fuck that devil <laughs> <You wanna point. laughs> here's here's my question kind of my overarching question um when someone doesn't want to commit when someone says i'm not looking for anything and again it's been mostly my experience that it's men what why where is that coming from what is the drive for let's say men in their 20s and 30s to not want to commit what is that how can they fuck somebody it's it's really hard for me to understand how someone can be intimate with somebody consistently even and not have an emotional connection or wall themselves off or compartmentalize do you under is there a way you can speak to that drive yeah i don't i mean i just think that's I think it's uh, biological. Um, really? Yeah, I think I think I do think there's a, there's some credence to you know men and men's sort of DNA. It's it's about spreading the seed, you know. So have you been in that personal state before when you were younger? Oh, what of wanting to? We're like, oh, I just want to fuck you, Rachel, but I don't want to be with you. Oh, sure. Yeah, yeah, Rachel. You know, of all of all people, <laughs> she, she was pissed. Yeah, no. Um, who hasn't ever slept with a girl named Rachel? No, uh, I, I haven't, but good, more power to you. No, yeah, I mean, I think you know, 
me personally, I'm, I'm a relatively sensitive person where I usually, if anybody I slept with, I had a connection to, but I also definitely would want to sleep with people that I didn't want to be with more than that. Yeah. You know, but there were plenty of girls that felt the same way, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, totally. And I, and I'm certainly not trying to, I, I guess it's been my experience <laughs> in the dating world for the last 10 years where men up front go, I'm not looking for anything, but still want to have someone consistent that they go, go f- have sex with. Oh, yeah. It's the dream, from, right? What, how is that the dream? Why well, is that the dream? Because you don't have any responsibility for what, it, for what it means to be in a relationship, but you get all the, you get all the uh, benefits from it. So, so you're saying women are dumb for going, oh, maybe I can change it. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, if a guy tells you that, yeah, you're not, yeah, you're, you're lying to yourself. You yeah, I mean, totally. like, it's the rare case where you're going to change, like, you're going to be so amazing that you're going to change that person. It could happen, but it's not going to be through conversation. It's going to be through, you're going to know, you're going to, it's through a connection, right? Right. And if that connection's not there, if after, like, the first couple times, they're like, you know what, I'm crazy for you and I'm going to commit to you. If they don't say that, then it's not, you know. Yeah, you're not the, the the situation really doesn't change. I guess it's just hard for me because when sex enters the arena, I'm 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 in emotionally and I have a hard time understanding how but that's people biology. Can have sex. Yeah, that's, I guess. That's biology. That's that's generally we're generally speaking here, that's generally the case for women that they ha- they create a stronger emotional bond with people they have sex with, whereas men don't have, they don't always do that. Yeah, that's so true. There's a, um, the big sick, which was, uh, Kamal. I don't know how to say his name properly. Uh, but Ray Romano's in it and he's talking about how he cheated on his wife who who's played by Holly Hunter. Uh, he cheated on his wife once and after he orgasmed, he knew immediately that he had made a mistake that, he, did, he was like, oh, I this was the wrong thing. And my, my brother has actually shared, like, one time, he, one, the, once he's had sex with somebody, he, he knows immediately whether he wants to have sex with that person again or not. And that's interesting that, like, men just have – it is almost like a clarity of mind once that ends to go, oh, that was just sex. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah, because the, the drive to have, to have the sex overrides many other judgment – capabilities in the brain like oh sex is happening everything else is out the window and then the sex is done oh shit what are the consequences of this choice i just made right um so yeah that's that's a very real thing i think there's a yeah no 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 go ahead well i was going to slightly shift gears here that like you're like, well, how does all of this work out if like if this is biological that this is you know part of the male sex drive, yada, yada. Well, how come, how, how are their relationships and how, how come we as a society put a lot of value in, in a good relationship? You know, I, I think it's, you know, a long lasting marriage. And I think it's more than just like, oh, it's good for the family. It's good. It's good for the, um, it would have to be at this point, especially since it's not, it's proven that you don't need to have a marriage in order to have children. Right. Like we just, we're yeah, past that as a society. But it's also been proven that, it's not as beneficial it, for a child's totally to, to not to not have you know both totally but there but there's very few um nu- nuclear f- 
families, right? Like that just like the normal family that we were raised with this ideal of in the 50s just is not this is not the reality. Let's just I'm just saying there's many mm-hmm. different ways that family shows up. Yes. Um but I but carry on your thought. I'm I'm fascinated by it. Um but that there is a sort of uh evolution to um our human experience. If you look at uh like I mean I don't mean like the evolution of humans, but like within your lifespan, you are evolving emotionally. Um, uh, and, you know, I don't know enough about this, but I know a little bit about, you know, chakras. And as we move through life, we're moving through our chakras. And, you know, one of your base level chakras is your root chakra. It's your, it's, it's in your pelvis. Um, and at some point, you you want to move up into the heart chakra, mm. right? And then continually you're moving up and eventually, you know, the ultimate chakra, uh, you know, I don't know what it's called. The, the crown? Om, the crown or the ohm or whatever. Um, but the movement from the crotch to the heart, right, <laughs> is a really interesting thing. Um, and I don't, I th- and I think, uh, you know, Sometimes people stay in the crotch a little too long, and you see and you see how that affects them in their lives. Um, see these like you know guys in their fifties trying to date girls yeah. in their twenties. You know yeah. what I mean? Like right, like Leonardo DiCaprio is like. I was actually just thinking about Leonardo DiCaprio because he dates you know twenty something models, and I I think Jack Nicholson did something similar, and you know he had he has a child and. It's not like he didn't have kids or whatever, but I think he's quoted as saying that he completely re- regrets not settling down, that he's going to mm. die alone. Mm. Yeah. And that probably is going to happen to Leo too. Like I, I am fascinated about, I under, listen, my dad currently goes back and forth to Asia to date younger women. He loves, he, it makes him feel viable as a male still, you know, cause midlife crisis as we all go through those things. So I'm not saying I don't see it or that it's it's the wrong choice, but I don't know where the and at the same time too, you don't want your life to hinge completely on another person. It can't. It shouldn't. But when you but it but a partnership is nice. There there's no amount of of sex with young people that you could have that would ever comp- like be the same or compare to what it's like to have long-term intimacy with one human being. Um, and I don't know, you know, I don't know which one, I'm not saying making any qualification that one is better than the other. But they're very different. They're very different. And what you get out of long-term intimacy is, um, it's, a, it's a really powerful thing. And, uh, you know, both of them have their ups and downs. Like to think that like sleeping with, you know, young women all the time is, is somehow just going to be, you know, candy and cake all the time. It's, it's not, you know, they, you know, you have, like you just said, Jack Nicholson's like, you know, questioning all the choices he's ever made, you know. Um, There's a... Uh, I was I did jury duty for the last two weeks and I, I was doing it downtown and right across from the building is another I think it's a museum and it has you know these huge LED uh, 
poster, you know, uh, what is it? Ads, ad space. It's like literally the whole top of the building. And the first ad that I saw I was as I was driving into the city was Drake's album is new out is out now. And I think it's like a uh, certified lover boy or something is the name of Drake's new album. And it's just a hundred emojis of women in different like hair colors and styles and, and skin colors. Preg- the pregnant emoji. <laughs> so it's like the pregnant emoji has a wallpaper and it made me fucking sick to my stomach. <laughs> so he was basically just saying like, I got all these chicks pregnant because I'm a lover boy. Like it was revolting. It was revolting to me. <laughs> I don't yeah. know. It was so upsetting. I don't know why. Uh, well, I, mean, I you know, I can't. <laughs> I could see why. It just, it, I just, it was such a visceral reaction, and I very rarely have visceral reactions like that. So I did, it stuck with me. Um, but, you know, and this is a conversation we can get into another time. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't even know how to, to phrase this properly. Um, I was once told that sex is more interesting or sex is more exciting when the relationship is less safe and that safe then equals um, more boring sex. And I was like, well then if that's the case, do I want to be in a relationship? You know, cause it is more fun when it's, I don't, I don't, I think that that was their experience though. Uh, but it's interesting all the interest, the takes that people have on things. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I, yeah, I could, you know, I could see that if you're looking for the word exciting, Right, um, you know. Uh, yeah, and I'm not asking you to comment because you know, again, you're very happily, lovely married, and so I, you know, you have to be mindful I, what, I of just that mean, like, too. Why do you think that there's a qualification there? Like to say that, like exciting. Like, what does that word mean? It's like, yeah, if things are a little bit more dangerous, there's a little bit more energy to it. Yeah, it's more exciting. Um, but to but say that intimacy. exciting, yeah. Well, yeah. Intimacy, or but to say that, like uh, you know, uh, you, you can't have really fun, awesome sex with somebody you're intimate with. Like that's, it's just, yeah. You, maybe you lose a little bit of that adrenaline rush of like, oh, should I be doing this? Is this is yeah, yeah, right. Sure, but but then but then you gain something else, which is right. oh, it's really a lot of fun with somebody I have this really deep connection with. Right. I mean, you're not going to get a deep connection out of somebody who you're having a lot, you know, you know. Who you don't feel safe with, really and truly. Yeah, totally. So (laughs) I don't know that uh, we accomplished anything, but what's (laughs) what's your takeaway? You know, nothing new, same old story. Just Just a new fucking title. (laughs) Yeah, guys being guys. It's been this way forever. You know, I don't know that our society is ever going to move to a non-monogamy society because i think we i think we know what what that would end up being and plus it goes against uh it just goes against female the nature of women generally and so well and there is a question about whether that's conditioned or not Sure. Okay. Is it nature or nurture? Sure. There is a question. I, 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 you know, I know people, you know, this Gen Z that's coming up. Um, there, there are more 
queer folk in Gen Z, statistically, percentage-wise, than there are in other generations. And there's an argument to be made. It's probably because it's more present in mainstream media and it's more acceptable in some areas. You know, there are some people that I know that had they had this exposure at younger ages, myself included, would I have been more interested in women or would I have been a little bit more open to uh, – now, my, myself personally, I, I don't think so, but we had this question about – you and I before, but like, do we feel like we're on different sides of the spectrum of um, gender or whatever? So, but those are questions we're only asking ourselves now. And if we weren't conditioned to be, you must be a male that is this way and you must be a female that is this way. And if you like other females, if you're a female, that's wrong and vice versa. Uh, would we have had, you know, if, if I wasn't raised to look at princesses looking for Prince Charming, would I have had a different expectation out of relationships fair point totally fair point i don't have the answer i know that i want a relationship despite uh all that nurture versus nature but it's hard to see but do you think all of that potential conditioning uh is what is built because of our biological well well, there's that but i was going to say but do you think that that yeah, but that is a chicken or the egg thing. But uh-huh. do you think that that would have created this feeling that you have of emotional connection when you have sex with somebody? But again, or do you think, or do you think that's again, I think that's nature. Else? I think that's nature and, and nurture as well. I it's I I it does well because there are there are uh, like what is it? Seahorses carry the baby, right? The males carry the baby, like so. There's it's, it's not biologically across the board with different male female sexes that females become imprinted right um and again there's are there are people who are doing studies with that with societies that were non-monogamous where women were like great fuck it i don't care in sparta men and women were separated and boys were trained together uh, in the camps just so that they could become warriors. But then here comes the problem of not making, they're not procreating and boys were sleeping with boys and women were sleeping with women because they were separated. Uh, and then when they got married off, women had to be in a darkened room and shave their head so that when the men came in to have sex with them, it was less jarring. So wow. like, you know, Okay. Okay. Well, there you go. Well, you also, this thing is, wide open. There's a different conversation to be had too. That the female orgasm was considered a myth until recently, and usually the the imprinting happens during the orgasm. So it's possible that men went, "Oh, we, if we don't make them come, they won't <laughs> need them. They won't need us as much." <laughs> oh, that's the problem I was having. God just made him come so much okay i'm sorry that was really bad and my That's joke bad. was making fun of you for for making that joke uh so nick our takeaway is what let's what do we want our listeners to think about as we all generalizations are false yes including the one i just said <sighs> so true it's so not true <laughs> 
I can't wait uh, in two weeks to tell you that I've deleted OkCupid because it's not, it doesn't work for me. We'll get into that a whole other time as to why it doesn't work for me. Um, now, did you did you wait? So it's fifty dollars for the first month. It's so upsetting. No, for every month if you do it month by month. Yes, yeah, I'm saying. Oh my gosh. So I, I, I'm 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 it's I'm already not thrilled with it. You um, better find some high quality bras. It's not happening. It's not happening. But again, that's so that's what I was going to say. If we've talked about this another time, I have a very hard. I, I love people's personalities, and I have a very hard time telling. I've, I've actually am super judgmental about people's looks on these apps because I can't get a sense of their personality, and so I very rarely match with somebody because I'm not like sexually interested in them at all, mm. <laughs> at all. So online dating, I try to, I try not to pigeonhole myself into the myth that it doesn't work for me sometimes, uh, but it really doesn't work for me at all. <laughs> anyway. Well, uh, what are you going to do, though? You got to go, you got to get out there. Uh, I'm okay being alone. And mm. if I, I, like, the thing is, like, when it happens, it happens. Uh, I, so, like you, you know when you click with somebody, right? Like if I would, when when the world starts opening up again, if I meet somebody and it clicks and it, and it does, right? Like I'm more actually inclined to go. Maybe I like that guy if I meet them in person, you know, or like mm-hmm. improv. You can fall in love with somebody immediately because you just did a sexy scene together or whatever. Like you can like I remember uh, Mike Rock and Lisa Fredrickson had to like shake off like the the juju after doing an like a particularly sexy Jane Austen together because like you can fall in love in those moments and or you fall in love with your coworker at a restaurant. Um, there's so many different ways it could happen. I but at the same time, while it would be nice to maybe find someone to have regular sex with, I'm super happy alone. Mm. Like actually content and don't feel it, it, in the last four years. It's the first time in my life where I didn't feel the drive to must have a partner or I'm obsessed with this guy or blah, blah, blah. Well, then, so then maybe you should take up some of these guys on OkCupid okay because you're not looking for anything serious either. Oh, I'm, I am looking for something serious because I only want to fuck somebody that I want to oh, fuck. There's that piece. You got to let go there's of that, that part of it. Yeah. No, I'm not <laughs> putting some <laughs> stinky dick in my mouth. I'm not doing it. It's not happening. I, the chemistry has to be absolutely dead on. Has to. <laughs> and that is a rare find. <laughs> and someone's stinky dick is another man's, tra- you know, treasure. I get it. But this, <laughs> I just got to find the right one for me. I am going to help. Nick, thank you so much for being here. It's our yeah. 20th episode. Is it really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I know. Congratulations. Congratulations to you, too. Mm. That's amazing. I can't believe we've made it this far. I know. This is it, too. <laughs> <laughs> you can't commit to me or the pool person. No. God, he just cleans the pool so well. All right. I bye, see. Nick. All right. Just go back to bed. <gasps> You're so mean. <laughs> <laughs> just say goodbye, Nick. Just say goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye, Nick. <laughs> Nichols, thank you so much for listening to our podcast. Nick and I really love doing this podcast for you. We love doing it together. We love talking about what the generational experience is like from different perspectives. And we really 
look forward to hearing from different things that you have to contribute to us as well. If you become a patron today, you could ask us questions if you're at a certain tier. You can get early access to episodes if we're able to get them done in time for you. You'll get sick-ass merch. And if we can find the time, a monthly deep dive where Nick and I go deep on topics that we're passionate about but aren't necessarily through the generational lens. Become a patron today. Become an official nickel. Go to patreon.com slash you don't know Nick to find out more ways you can support our podcast. Don't forget to like, share, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to podcasts. See you next week, Nichols. Now that was a JLV production.